When me and my partner had decided for sure that we were going to get a puppy, we started seeing them everywhere, or at least I started seeing them everywhere. Now, seeing dogs in a city, not a big surprise. That's not crazy. However, we had gotten pretty specific about what type of dog we wanted. We wanted to get a miniature poodle, ideally in brown, because yes, they look like the cutest little teddy bear and also are a breed that works really well for the life that we were leading. And I had honestly never seen a miniature poodle in Berlin before we made the decision. And then suddenly I was seeing them everywhere. <laughs> now, this wasn't me going crazy or being blind before, but this actually has a name, the frequency illusion coined in 2005 by a professor of linguistics at Stanford University and Ohio State University. He considered it a process that involved two cognitive processes. One, selective attention bias. That means that you notice things that you care about and really discard the rest. So for example, if you are waiting for your bus, you're not gonna be paying attention to cars whizzing by. You care about the bus. And the other thing is confirmation bias. I'm sure you've probably heard this term before, which is when you have an opinion, a hypothesis, and then you look for a bunch of proof that confirms your thoughts rather than contradict it. For example, I don't know, what's an outlandish thought? <laughs> that you think that everybody that wears green is called Linda. So every time you meet somebody that introduces themselves as Linda and is wearing something green, you're like, yes, prove that my hypothesis works. You will probably have met Lindas that were not wearing green, but you kind of disregard these things because they would not fit what you're thinking about. So yeah, the frequency illusion is this combination of being selective and what we're paying attention to and focusing on that and disregarding anything else excessively, which leads to what happened to me, me seeing major poodles everywhere suddenly in quotation marks, even though that was definitely not true. They were there around before, but because they were on my mind and I was paying attention to them and probably wanted to support my hypotheses that they're great dogs for the city and super cute. I saw them all the time. Now, for Cassandra, who we're going to be talking with for this episode, the same was happening around an idea for a creative project. I don't know if you have ever felt like this, where you have like this creative idea and then maybe this is confirmation bias. So then you go on to social media, you scroll wherever you're scrolling and you start seeing more things that pop up about it and I was seeing more things that were popping up just about like identity culture belonging are you wondering who Cassandra is yeah <laughs> I would be if I was you so I'll let her introduce herself hi my name is Cassandra my pronouns are she they and I am a human. So I'm originally from Virginia, but based in Toledo, Spain. And I run a brand strategy and content marketing agency called the Quirky Pineapple Studio. I do brand strategy for mostly DEI, leadership, and culture-based 
companies and brands. We do brand voice development, brand messaging, copywriting, and then all of the content marketing if they require that. And I just started my podcast, which is called I'm Lost, So What? to explore, I guess, these stories of multicultural and hyphenated folks who are trying really hard to belong, but then also want to carve their own path. So while Cassandra's idea of exploring between belonging and craving your own path had some connection to their work, that wasn't the point necessarily of the podcast. She actually had previously co-hosted a podcast, Business Without the Butts, yes, great name, and also actually How We Met, which more narrowly focused on specifically ethical business and marketing, which is Cassandra's jam. But after two seasons, life got too busy for her and her co-host, and they wrap up the podcast. For this new one, Cassandra wanted to follow their creativity. So hey, if you too sometimes are wondering how can you infuse more creative expression into your life, then keep listening. Because using Cassandra's podcast as an example, we're going to uncover why it's a fab life and yes, even business goal worth investing in. Is your muse gasping for air? Between busy schedules and inner demons, creativity is easily drowned. The Creating in the Margins podcast is your lifeline. Every month, get inspo from diverse creatives making their challenging passion projects a reality in the margins of their lives. Plus, I, her host, storyteller, and globetrotter Kat Rundell, slay pesky doubts alongside you, covering everything from feeling like a shadow artist to toxic productivity. Yes, you'll want to stick around to the very, very end to get a laugh from bloopers and outtakes. Now, let's add some color to your margins. Cassandra's whole work is around creating content. And they do so super creatively, even if I say so myself. (laughs) One would think that creativity gets kind of like tapped out the more you use it. But weirdly enough, often the opposite is true. It's kind of like building a muscle. The more you use it, the more you can lift. So yeah, while you might think, oh, Cassandra's coming up with ideas for work on the daily. How is there space for more? There is. And for her, this new idea came at a time that gets many of us thinking. A big birthday. I think last year when I turned 30 and I was just like, okay, I'm in this like weird space. I want to do something else. I started like learning more about culture, learning more about identity. And then with actually the clients that I was working with in quote unquote the day job, then I was learning a lot about DEI, culture, and just leadership in general. And I just kept thinking, huh, I'm having all these conversations about people who are with people who are kind of lost. But nobody would say they're lost. They were just kind of like, what am I doing with my life? And it wasn't just like work related. It was also like, who am I? And what do I, like, who do I want to be? What are the things that are important to me now? And I just thought, okay, I think, I think we got to have more conversations about this. 
Once Cassandra had that realization and idea that we should be having more of these conversations, that's when that frequency illusion set in. Some people were tying it into like their business and their marketing, but they weren't talking about it the way I wanted to talk about it. And then I got annoyed, I think, because I was like, oh, this is not nuanced enough. Like, you're not bringing in this side of the conversation or this perspective. Like, why why didn't you do that? I, of course, I never like reached out to be like, you know, you're doing this not in the way that I would. But that kind of generated a whole bunch of like inner... I don't know what the feeling is. Maybe inner turmoil sounds very dramatic, but it was kind of like inner turmoil because I was like, oh, it's not ready. This idea isn't ready yet. I'm just going to like see if other people are doing it. Maybe I can like hop in and join their conversations first. And because I was consuming a whole bunch of stuff and I was like, well, you're not approaching it like how I would approach it. And like, this is not the perspective. Like you're missing this perspective. Why didn't you bring this in? It started creating the turmoil of, oh, I need to, I need to get this out because if not, I'm gonna be like laying in bed sleepless thinking about it and then feeling resentful towards the world because they're not putting out the perspective that I specifically have as a human. Now we've talked about this before, but when you get an idea, that's like the exciting bit, right? You're like, ooh, I'm fired up about this, but often. Going into execution is where you might start flopping around a bit, right? Wait, I just had like this image of a dead fish on the sand, which is really depressing. So, okay, maybe let's use another imagery here. You might be turning in circles. There we go. That sounds a bit better. For Cassandra, this happened when they had to choose what format this idea should come alive as. I didn't want to do it just through Instagram. I tried. I was like, yeah, Instagram and social media, probably not the best place to have nuanced conversations. So I thought, what is the next best thing I could do to have more nuanced conversations or to, I guess, inspire more nuanced conversations around this? And I had a newsletter that also doesn't really allow me to get super nuanced. I mean, yeah, but that's a lot of writing to be nuanced. And then I thought YouTube and I was like, LOL, there's no time for YouTube. So I thought podcast. And that's kind of how it got born. I think I had, like, I asked the person that I'm working with for editing if they would be interested in helping me with it over the summer. And it was like, it took six months for me to actually get the idea down. I was like, yeah, it's going to be about this and this and this. And it was just all over the place. And then finally, it became more clear towards the end of the year of 2022. Did you catch that bit about hiring someone to help with a podcast? That was a key piece to go from being all over the place to clarity. And the idea not just staying an idea. Probably because I reached out to my editor in June and I was like, yeah, this is happening. And then they would follow up and be like, sure, when do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, it'll happen this time. So then they kept asking. So I think that was like just external pressure. Where I was like, hmm, well, I already asked this person if they're going to do it. They already said yes. The editor has given me deadlines where they need 
audio recorded so that they can edit on time. So that is like an external, literal external deadline where I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to record. It's going to be fine. Reminder, Cassandra creates content for work. And while, yes, as I said earlier, it's a muscle that you grow and that you can be creative in more settings, the same is true for the other side of that coin. Cassandra's work is about being very strategic and business-minded with the content you create. And that muscle is not easily turned off. (laughs) Though I don't know if you can generally turn off muscles, but you know what I mean. And in this case, that actually was a determined because it was a creative project and this side of Cassandra's brain was getting in the way a bit. I figured out that I needed a thing, whatever it was, a project, a platform, a medium of choice, whatever, for creative expression. Because last year in 2022, I decided, oh, I hate Instagram. I'm going to quit Instagram. So I quit it for like four to five months and I started a newsletter. And I was doing really well with the newsletter. And then I was like, hmm, the newsletter is not enough. Like it's not giving me the the creative expression that I want. Like I could go super deep and I was having fun writing it. But then I kind of got bored with it. So I was like, hmm, something is missing. And this came up in therapy actually because I was like, I feel sad. (laughs) I feel sad and there's like pent up something (laughs) that needs to be expressed. So then I decided, let me go back on Instagram and I'm going to start a daily vlog series for 365 days. I was like, cold turkey and then hot turkey, whatever the other expression is. So then I did the daily vlog series and I got up to like a hundred and either 160 something, 170 something vlogs. And then I got tired because I was like, this is a lot. And then I had like travel in between. I was like, can't keep up with this. This is not sustainable. But then I was, I think during that daily vlog series, I started exploring different ways to one, not just create content and video, but then I was also exploring different topics because I was like, let's just have fun with this. And some of the topics that I explored were things around like culture and identity. And I was like, hmm, this like 30 second reel or three minute TikTok is not enough to fully cover what I want to talk about. Like it touches on highlight points, but it doesn't go deeper. And And then I was like, okay, let's do the podcast so then I can like fully express myself and then have these like little side things for different types of expression. So working in content, I was like, you know, strategy brain immediately turns on and then you're thinking, who's the ideal listener? Like, what's this for? What are the call to actions going to be? Blah, blah, blah. And When I realized that I was approaching this podcast that way, I realized, oh, this is not fun anymore and I'm getting stressed. So I had to actually not think about it so strategically and kind of just approach it as like a fun experiment to have these conversations and get this stuff out. Because to me, like, yeah, it would be awesome if this podcast brought clients or like a book deal or speaking engagements or whatever cool opportunities could come from it, like business-wise. But I was more of like, 
I need to produce some long form content in my body because I love long form content and I want some like a creative expression around it. It wasn't like, yeah, this is going to be like another funnel to get people to sign up to my email newsletter. If they do, awesome. If that's a byproduct of it, yes. But if it's not, then that's okay too. Now, just because Cassandra decided that business goals were going to be not the main goal, but hey, maybe a byproduct, that didn't mean that creating this podcast had no goal at all. I think it's always important when you're coming up with something to figure out why are you doing this? Why do you want to do this? Because I can promise you, you will have moments where you ask yourself this. I remember when I launched my first podcast, I was working full time. I had not figured out how to be more strategic and plan ahead with this thing. So yeah, I had nights where like 2 a.m. I was editing an episode because it had to go out and I had to go to work the next day. And in those moments, I definitely was sitting there thinking, why am I doing this to myself? (laughs) And if I wouldn't have had a good answer for that, yeah, the likelihood I would have just quit right after a couple episodes would have been really, really big. But here's the thing. It doesn't have to be for somebody else or some external goal that you need to create something for. It can also be about intrinsic motivation. That's the act of doing something without any obvious external rewards, but for internal rewards for yourself. One example that I would think this falls under is handywoman work. (laughs) So I didn't grow up learning about tools massively, but when I started to live on my own, sure, I could hire somebody or ask friends to help me out with drilling or building stuff or whatever it may be. But I kind of felt really happy being able to figure it out by myself. It was definitely kind of like hard and, you know, scary at times. I can tell you drilling into tile in your bathroom is not the best feeling in the beginning. (laughs) But the pride and strength I felt by being able to do these things myself was way bigger than that. And again, there was no like external reason to do this. I could have outsourced it in quotation marks, could have gotten help. But yeah, that internal motivation for me was the driving force. A little side note here (laughs) that actually this thing of you enjoying things that you create yourself or like more specifically build yourself has actually been coined officially the IKEA effect because they have been the first to like mass market this. But it has been proven that if (laughs) you took a bookcase that you build up yourself, you know, you assembled, better said, you didn't necessarily build it, but you assembled it, that you actually thought that was worth much more than a bookcase that you buy, even if monetarily the bought bookcase would have been more expensive. We do value in our mind things that we create with our own hands. (laughs) So yeah, that also makes sense. I know, I'm throwing a lot of effects at you today. So back to Cassandra. For her, the intrinsic motivation came from challenging themselves by learning something new. 
on the more like personal side, I think it's because it's a fun project for me. I've podcasted before, but not like that that much. And I think it's fun to learn one, how this all works and how to kind of like share these conversations in audio format because it's really different. I am literally by day job a writer and a writer in general. So I really love words on paper or screen, but to verbalize things audio wise, (laughs) is that the correct thing? Um, It is harder for me. So I mean, this goes back to just me as like a human being, like if I get into an argument or am faced with confrontation, I would much rather write you a, a a very long email to express myself and like hash things out than to get on a phone call and talk it through in the beginning because I always get really flustered with my words talking. So this is almost like a little bit of a challenge for me to clearly express in word format, audio format, and not written text format. So I guess it's almost like twofold. So I think, yes, I don't know if it's like super perfectionist tendencies, but I always want to make sure that like what I'm saying never gets misconstrued. Funnily enough, though, when I am recording the podcast episodes, I'm kind of like, okay, whatever, like, let's just get this over with. I'm not going to re-record. And I'm kind of like, it'll, whatever people take from it, they take from it, but it's not my problem. That's how they perceive it, blah, blah, blah. So a little mix of both. Okay, you might get this part about it being worth learning or doing something for the sake of what you get out of it for yourself. However, there is something that also happens in these cases, which is we deprioritize it. We often value things that we do just for ourselves, at least in the beginning, way less than what we do for others or what we've been asked to do by others or what we're being paid to do for others. One way this definitely shows up is time, right? If you have a big work deadline, even if you told yourself at 6 p.m. every evening I work on my book, hey, there's this work deadline, let me, you know, I'll push that, I'll do it tomorrow. And then there's something else tomorrow. (laughs) And in your like time priority list, what you are doing just for yourself kind of lands in the last place. I know that's been the fact for me. I talked about this in the beginning of this podcast about how creating a podcast was something I, I was procrastinating subconsciously, I would say, for years. And part of that process was deprioritizing the time for it. Another big way that we do this is deciding not to invest money. That we say, yes, I'll do this for me, but because it's just for me, I have to do it all myself, right? Nobody's paying me to do this. I'm not getting like an external gain out of this. So, you know, it definitely has to be as low budget as possible. Cassandra, though, they're smart. (laughs) They weren't falling in that trap. Better. Cassandra has a bit of a more long-term view. More on that after a quick break. One thing that is kind of necessary, no matter what creative project you're undertaking, a home for it. AKA in our digital age, a website. I've been creating websites for over a decade 
So I have tried everything under the sun. In recent years though, every time an envy worthy website came across my screen, the site credit read Design by Tonic. After stalking them and drooling over their beautiful templates, I finally made the jump and can honestly say, I wish I had done it sooner. Fully customizable, gorgeous on any device, with a seamless WordPress block to match, and SEO power for days. Check them out and grab 50% off your new design on me by going to tellonpurpose.com slash tonic. Go make your old website jealous. I do love learning how to create content in new mediums and also new platforms. I think that is super fun. Content is just any type of content. I'm like, this is so cool. Let's learn. But I also realize like time wise, I don't have time with where I am at with like the business side and client work to sit down and like learn how to edit audio and also do it in a way where I'm like, this feels good. Like I can do it in an hour. LOL would be perfect. Don't think that happens. So I thought, okay, if I really want this podcast to go out, I do have to put some money behind it, even if I don't say it back. But it's long form content. So long form content will always, I think, karma wise, come back tenfold for you. So yeah, that's kind of why, because I was just like, I don't have time. I don't really have like the capacity to learn. I don't have the energy to. And something that I've been working on is to just rest more and learning how to put together my podcast is not necessarily restful, even if it is like creative in a way, but not restful to what I needed. So after all this work that Cassandra did, she finally brought this podcast to life, which is so satisfying <laughs> when you hit that point and you're elated and happy and proud. And then often that starts switching when it's time for the next step, sharing it. The trailer I thought was super fun to share. I was like, ha ha ha. It's like building hype. The launch of the first episode that I was like, Oh, oh gosh, here we go. Um, and I think it has been well received by all the people who have listened to it. They said that they really enjoyed it and that it definitely gave them food for thought. Me personally, I felt like really nervous because, I mean, the last podcast I had, it was with a co-host. So this is like the first thing I'm doing solo podcast wise. And yeah, I wasn't sure if people were going to get what I was saying. So that was scary. And then also the fact that people hear my voice in their ears. If I think about it too much, I'm like, oh, that's weird. A little strange. Very strange. Like they, like you hear me. And it's, I think that's weird. That's, I, it, it gets a little strange because like it's pretty intimate. Like very, very intimate. And I don't know who's really listening I was just talking to somebody else about this because like at least on social media you can see who like you start recognizing usernames or even on LinkedIn you start recognizing usernames on LinkedIn it's like somebody's literal name so you kind of notice who's engaging 
And you kind of can build rapport with those people because you're like, oh, this person has voted a lot on my polls or like this person reacts to all my stories or this person comments a lot. But with a podcast, I am I'm putting it out there. The only feedback I get back is one to see how many downloads I have, who subscribes, maybe reviews and star ratings and all that stuff. But the only feedback I would fully get is if somebody decides, hey, I really like this. Let me share it and share my thoughts on it. Or let me write to you directly on Instagram or like email to share more. But other than that, it's like, it's like void. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think this is really fun. And I, now that I've gotten over like the initial nervousness of the first episode and all of that stuff, I'm like, oh, I can't wait for people to hear the second episode. But that first one, I was that is wild. I'm definitely glad that Cassandra got over that hump of finding it odd to hear her voice in other people's ears. They are doing really incredible work with this podcast. But rather than tell you that, hear for yourself. Here's a little snippet from the first episode. One thing that I am realizing is that in this quote-unquote new lost generation, the I'm lost so waters, I think we are learning. This is my perception, so please correct me if I'm wrong. We're learning to have more grace for ourselves, more self-compassion, and more self-love. And because of that, we're extending it to other people. Of course, I think we're still holding people accountable, which I think is awesome. But we're also learning to, one, have more empathy, more grace, more self-compassion, more self-love, and then extend it to others, which then goes back to that optimism feeling of, okay, things will get better. And also, I think, reclaims our personal power of, yeah, we can make change. We can come together and create change. And also, we are the fucking revolutionaries. Now, I know I went on and on about how it's worthwhile when you have intrinsic personal growth or whatever might be motivations for creating something. However, that doesn't mean you discount the external motivation for it completely. And I actually think it's really smart how for Cassandra, they focused on the intrinsic motivation in the beginning. And then when it got time to share and put it out there, that's when they allowed more of that external impact to also make a difference. Because it's one thing to create something and put it out there. It's another to keep going. And that's where a little bit of external motivation doesn't hurt at all. It can actually be a really, really positive thing. I think my big, big dream for the podcast, I have a love for it to reach people who come from all different areas of life so and also generations because the more that I'm exploring these things, the more I'm finding that like it's not just millennials who are feeling lost or Gen Z. It's people who are Gen X. And actually, I'm seeing like with my parents and stuff, maybe it could be baby boomers. So a lot of the people that I'm talking to are people of color, Black people, queer folks, people who are neurodivergent. And a lot of the times what I'm finding is we all feel lost because we're just like, what are we, what are we doing? And it's not even just like those identities. I think about my friends who are also expats but now we call ourselves immigrants or even my parents who are immigrants and like 
they are retired, not retired. I think about some of my clients who are becoming caretakers for their parents because they're reaching like that 40-year-old space and their parents are aging. I would love for them to be okay, I think, with being lost. I have a term I always use, which is like being a floater. I have always felt like a floater. Like growing up, I always had different friend groups. I'd never belonged to one friend group. Now that I'm older, same thing. I live abroad. I occupy lots of like gray areas in life. And what I'm finding is as we also grow older, I think a lot of other people are occupying that gray area and it causes us like a lot of grief or anxiety or that feeling of turmoil that we <laughs> that I was talking about before. And I would love for them to just be okay with it and like sit with it and see where it takes them. I, I don't want people to think like, oh, I'm in this gray floater, lost space, like I am helpless. I would love to shift the perspective of, okay, you're in this floater, gray, lost space, which means that everything is possible because you aren't in like silos. You can choose to create lots of cool new things that can do lots of other amazing things for like your community or the world or wherever. So that's like the big, big thing. But yeah, that's kind of what I want them to feel that you're not helpless. Like you're not lost and like, oh my gosh, save me. Like you're lost and now you have literally the whole world (laughs) open to you because you can choose. Cassandra is the perfect example of how creating for the sake of it is a worthy goal. It'll benefit at least you, which is already plenty, but also often your work and hey, even the world. (laughs) I know I'm saying that flippantly, but I actually really genuinely mean that. And I think from Cassandra's story, you can choose which one motivates you more to get started. Is it that intrinsic motivation? Is it that external one? It doesn't matter. You will probably get all of them. But the important bit is getting started. And to get you started, or if you have already, to get you to continue on, here's a recap of the main four takeaways from Cassandra's journey. One, if you have an idea and start seeing it everywhere, sure, that's a bit of that frequency illusion. But that's actually a good thing. A, it shows your passionate about something and clearly it's on your mind and occupying that brain space aka you should do it make it come alive and b it's not actually around as much as you think as we've discussed this is just your brain making you think that idea already exists everywhere everybody's talking about this or doing this so that's actually good news because it means there is a need and space for your perspective. It is not already covered by everybody everywhere. AK, you should do it, make it come alive. (laughs) Two, build in some of that external accountability, like reaching out to someone you want help from to get forced to get clear and take action. Some people just need themselves and they're good to go, but if that's not you, that's a-okay. Build in ways to get that push. Number three, don't take the fun out of it. 
especially in the beginning, focus on why you want to do this, what's motivating you, what is going to keep you going, what will make this process joyful. Because getting too caught up in the external, while yes, can be motivating and will definitely help you create something that impacts people, it can also lead to you burning out and not standing behind completely what you're doing, which is things we don't want. So yes, don't take the fun out of it. Focus on what's in it for you, even if that sounds selfish. It isn't. And finally, number four, invest in your idea. Even if it's just for you, that doesn't make it any less worthy than any of your other goals. Block the time and the money or whatever other resource you need to make this happen. And, you know, think of Cassandra's approach of keeping the long-term benefits in mind too. If you're having trouble justifying (laughs) that time or expense or whatever it might be to yourself. Want an extra push to get started or keep going? Then I'll leave you with Cassandra's call to rebel. Um, never mind, I mean to create in the margins. When you first announced creating the margins, I was like, oh, this is so cool. I think it's a little bit of a rebellion in a way, because for me growing up, you're not supposed to color outside of the lines. You're not supposed to draw in the margins because if you draw in the margins, your like homework was considered dirty and like they wouldn't accept it. So you have to rewrite it, blah, blah, blah. I feel like creating in the margins is like a step towards rebelling against what everybody says that you have to do creatively. And you have the space now to explore something bigger. Getting motivated to create or grow your own podcast, but getting stuck on the how? If you're a bold business owner ready to leverage a podcast to become the orca of your industry's ocean, aka the biggest, baddest, most big-hearted thing around, I've got you. Grab your hot beverage of choice, milk with coffee for me, and let's map out how you can reach your podcast goals. Book a free game plan call at tellonpurpose.com slash game plan. No pressure or strings attached. I can't wait to chat with you. As promised at the top, here are some fun outtakes and bloopers from today's episode. Enjoy! It's called the freaking bloop, bloop, bloop. Because we're going to uncover why it's of... Okay, I, I I couldn't read what I wrote myself there. Okay, let's redo that. <clears throat> so keep... I'll restart. So yeah, even though it seemed... So yeah, though you might... So yeah. And idea that she... Hoo, hoo, hoo. Okay, hmm, long sentence. Ah, okay. This session is adjourned. <laughs>